When human beings began to increase in number on the earth, and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful, and they married any of them they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not contend with humans forever, for they are mortal. Their days will be a hundred and twenty years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and also afterward. When the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. This is the story of the Nephilim. Get you, Barbara. I'll swallow your soul. Welcome. Welcome to episode 24 of the Real Demons of Pop Culture. My name is James. I am the host of the Real Demons of Pop Culture. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Next month is going to be the one-year anniversary of The Real Demons of Pop Culture. Yes, it will be a year in April, and we will have episode 25 coming up, a milestone for me. Today, we're going to get into the Nephilim, and this was suggested by a friend of mine named Paige, and she had brought them up, and I thought it was a good topic. If you have a topic you would like me to research, please find me and... Let me know. The Bookworms zine should be out very soon. This is something I'm doing with myself and Regina St. Clair, the author. And this will be something we mail to you. It won't be a digital thing. It's going old school, punk rock. We do it bare bones, minimum fun. Got uh, original horror stories in it. We have fun stuff like crossword puzzles and mazes, cartoons or comics, actually comics and uh, letters to the editor, which there will be an Ask Dr. J section. You can write a letter to Dr. J and he will respond to the letters in upcoming Bookworms zine. So more on that to come. I will let you know it will be eventually in the show notes and I will have an introduction to every episode about the Bookworm zine. It's not going to be much. I think it's like five bucks or something like that and you'll get it mailed to your house and uh, we're going to work on a subscription. So it's really a way of getting you away from your screens, having you read horror because it's a genre we both like, Regina and myself, and we feel like, you know, it needs more attention, especially independent horror. Hey, I love Joe Hill. I love Stephen King. But, you know, there are a lot of other authors out there we should be supporting. So let's uh, do that. And that's what this zine is about. Kind of just like old school. I'm sitting in a coffee shop reading this zine, having fun, doing the maze. You're going to love it. So more on that later. Let's do the magic number. All right. So the magic number, this way this works is I'm going to pick a number between one and 50 in my head. I'm going to count down three, two, one, and then you're going to hear silence. And that's when you're going to write down the number you think I'm thinking about. And then at the end of the show, I will reveal it. Now, if you get it right, that means you're going to have an extra special magical day. If you get it wrong, you'll just have a normal special day, but it won't be magical. It's just the way it works. Don't blame me. 
Don't blame the messenger. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. All right. I hope you wrote that number down. I will reveal it at the end of the episode. All right, Nephilim, the Nephilim, Nephilim, Nephilim. Um, you know, I, I think it's crazy that we are talking about giants, right? This episode's all about giants. And that's the first question I have for you. Do you at all believe that before Noah's flood, there were giants roaming the earth? Hmm. What do you think? Let me know. Send me something. Go to TikTok at James Ippolitti or Instagram at James underscore Ippolitti. Tell me if you believe, if you're a believer in the Nephilim. All right, so these are mysterious beings um, from the Hebrew Bible. They're described as large and strong, of course, because they're giants. And so it's been loosely translated as giants. The one thing I'm going to bring up is scholars debate this whole Nephilim uh, origins and stories and what they were and what the name means. I mean, this is really, I'm researching it and it's like, well, this is one thing, but other scholars think this. So there's no real consensus on what these things were. And so what I read in the beginning was Genesis 6, 1 to 4. That's the main reference to them. And there's some really strange things about it. For one thing, they are referring to the sons of God and daughter of men that the Nephilim are the offspring. Because if we look at the, the whole thing here, it says, you know, it's basically talking about human beings are increasing in number. So, you know, we have Adam and Eve, and now we got more human beings on the earth. And of course, they have daughters. And the sons of God, so that's the one thing we're going to talk about. Who were they? They saw these human daughters, and they married them, any of them, as they chose. Then it says the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, almost as if, hey, by the way, there were giants around too. So what, does that, what is that all about, right? And also afterward. Now, that means after the flood, which we're going to get into, and then it says, when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them, they were the heroes of old, men of renown. A couple things here. Who are the sons of God? And there are three kind of ideas about who these sons of God are. So two of them don't think there's anything divine, really, when it comes to who the sons of God are. So one is the descendants of Seth. I think they're the Sethites. And then the daughter, uh, the descendants of Cain, which are the Canaanites. And so they're saying like the Seth are the sons of God and the Canaanites are the daughters of men. And they had this unholy connection. Like they really weren't supposed to be having sex with each other. That's one interpretation. And some scholars believe this is good. Other scholars say, nope, there's no way that is possible. But there you go. Different descendants of different people, and they get together. Nothing divine about that. The second idea is that the sons of God, and this actually makes a lot of sense, but the sons of God's, uh, the sons of God were kings. Back in the day, uh, ancient Egypt even, and Mesopotamia, the kings of those countries were considered gods. And so... 
we got these kind of, and they were considered related to God, right? So these kings are running around and taking whoever they want, any women they want. Basically, the sons of God, these kings are running around saying, hey, baby, you're with me. You too. Oh, and you too. All right, let's go back to my hut, whatever they had back then, right? That's kind of what we're talking about. And this was also a no-no. You know, Israelites are like, no, no, you guys are not going to run around stealing women. Although they did the same thing. I, I, I don't know. But anyway, women in that time really had nothing. I mean, that's what you were, were property. And, and uh, whoever wanted you, you got you. So you had no fun back then. What's the third idea? The third idea is that they actually were divine beings, these sons of God. And they came down and they had sex with these human girls and had children and the children by them were heroes of old and men of renown. So that means when you look at a lot of this writing, the Lord got pissed off at these men because of this, right? So everything, if you really dig deep into the wording here, they're not divine beings. They're actually men. They're men of renown. Otherwise, it would say something like the divine people of renown or whatever, uh, but it doesn't. So that's one option. Then you got that Greek guy on the History Channel who says they're aliens. They're aliens. I'm not saying it's aliens, but they're aliens. And I'll tell you, uh, with the exception of the kings going around and sleeping with a bunch of people as the explanation for the sons of God, I think the next plausible one is aliens. Um, I don't think angels turned into human beings, had sex with daughters of men, and then had giants as children. And then what are we talking about when we're talking about giants? That's another really important thing here. Uh, because we're talking about giants. There's a couple ways some people look at this. Some people say, well, back then, the average height was like 5 whatever, 5'11", not even 5'11". Let's say 5'7 was the average height. So anybody over 6 feet tall could be considered a giant. I mean, every NBA basketball player would probably be considered a giant. They're giants to me. You know, they're very tall, over seven feet tall or anything like that. That's a giant. And so is that what they're talking about? Because, and then there's also um, a medical condition that makes you grow really, really tall. So that's another thing. Were there people there who had this medical condition and they grew absurdly tall, but it was just a medical condition? And that's what they're calling giants? But in some cases, they have the giants listed as like 450 feet tall or 100 feet tall. So what is the answer when we're talking about these giants? Because I think it's kind of um, silly because the uh, Quran refers to people of odd, but it's in the Quran. And the prophet Hud declares to be like Jabirin, which is the Hebrew gibberin. Um, and they're thinking that's a reference to the Nephilim. So the people of Ad are said to be giants, and the tallest among them is about 100 feet high. But in Enoch, the giants, the great giants, whose height was 300 cubits, the cubit, the cubit was a way of measuring things back in the day, and a cubit is about 18 inches, a cubit. <laughs> I don't know why it's, I guess maybe it reminds me of Qbert, cubit. Anyway, that would make these giants 450 feet tall. 
And that's fine. That, you know, I don't know. I find that really hard to believe. I mean, one, if there's giants running around that were 450 feet tall, we would have evidence of that. Maybe a footprint that's from a giant or maybe fossilized giants. Because even if the flood came and destroyed them, there would still be fossils. I mean, a meteor came and destroyed um, the giant dinosaurs, and we have evidence of that still. So I don't know. I mean, there's evidence that there's tall people back in the day, but not 450 or even 100 feet tall. So I call BS on this. All right, let's talk about the etymology of the Nephilim. Almost every scholar or translation somehow ends up interpreting the word to mean giants. So we, we know that. But there have been other people saying it really doesn't mean giants. It's the fallen ones or the ones falling upon their enemies. Something to do with falling down seems to be the other idea of what this name means. Uh, the fallen ones versus the giants. But somehow along the line, because the majority of the translations interpret the word to mean giants, that's where we are. Giants. Space giants. So besides Genesis 6, 1 to 4, we also have references to the Nephilim in Numbers 13, 32 to 33. And this is where the 10 of 12 spies report that they have seen fearsome giants in Canaan. And then we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come of the Nephilim. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. All right. That was Numbers 13, 32 to 33. They were grasshoppers. And if you, they weren't literally grasshoppers, people. Come on. They're saying they were small compared to these giants in Canaan. Now, there are some indirect references to the Nephilim in Ezekiel 32, 17 to 32. Um, there's a phrase of disputed meaning. Like I said, almost everything here is disputed, but they refer to these fallen warriors or fallen gibberim, which again, some scholars read the phrase as gibberim Nephilim, Nephilim warriors. According to the scholar Ronald S. Hendel, the phrase we're talking about in Ezekiel should be read as follows. They lie with the warriors, the Nephilim of old, who descended to Sheol with their weapons of war. They place their swords beneath their heads and their shields upon their bones. For the terror of the warriors was upon the land of the living. So yeah, there's some other mentions of Nephilim. All right, now we're going to go to the Second Temple Jerusalem period because the story of the Nephilim are elaborated on. Of course, in the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jubilees, and Watchers, the uh, Watcher Angels. And so they kind of just take a lot of the similar stuff we heard in um, Genesis and pop it into Enoch. So let's give it a listen. I'll put on my special I read for uh, holy stuff sound effect. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them. 
and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Semjaza, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath, and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were all two hundred who descended in the days of Jared, Jared, on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon. Well, I guess you would call it Mount Hermon if you descended on the summit of Mount Hermon, because they have sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. So in this tradition, the children of Nephilim are called the Eliud, E-L-I-O-U-D. And they're like a separate race from the Nephilim. But they share the same fate because basically God was like, we got to get rid of these evil giants. So here comes the flood. Here comes the flood again, killing all the Nephilim. But you know what's weird is that even though God was like, we're going to kill the evil giants, he said, we're going to keep some of them. And this, this is funny to me, I guess. So there's this belief that the fallen angels or the watchers, the sons of gods, the sons of God who had the Nephilim as their children, uh, they were cast into Tartarus, uh, which is, you know, hell, uh, a place of total darkness. And one interpretation says that God granted 10... Wait, I'm still on my super weird effect. All right, back to here. So one translation assumes that God uh, kept 10% of the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim to remain after the flood as demons to try to lead the human race astray until the final judgment. This is the stuff that's like, come on. And everybody's like, he's your, you know, God the Father loves you. And it's like, really? Because if he did, he wouldn't leave these demons here to try to uh, sway his children away. It's just really bizarre behavior from anybody, let alone a God, that you're going to leave demons so they can tempt. Like, what the hell is wrong with you? You have such insecurities that you have to have, oh, I'm going to have these demons stick around because I want them to really love me. And if they don't, I'm going to burn them for eternity. What's interesting is that there's a connection here to the Nephilim and being underground and that God did let them live, some of them, after the flood. And so there's these people freaking out over in Iraq and stuff because, well, I don't know, all over the world, but because in Iraq there's the Euphrates River and the level of the river is dropping and there's these uh, apparently voices or demonic voices you can hear coming out from underground. And a lot of people feel this is the Nephilim. They were trapped underground, but because the Euphrates River is sinking down, that this is a sign of the end times and they're going to get out. And it's going to be all chaos and destruction, which I should, I, you know, maybe I'll think about this doing a um, episode just on the Euphrates River and the prophecy of that. But maybe we'll see. But I think it's interesting. Um, but you're, you're all going to be OK. Don't don't fear. There's no giants under the earth that are going to crawl out because the uh, the level of the Euphrates is going down.
that's called global warming. And in Book of Jubilees, it also states that ridding the earth of the Nephilim was one of God's purposes for flooding the earth. And in, in the Book of Jubilees, they describe the Nephilim as being evil giants. There are also allusions to these descendants in other books as well. So let's talk about fossil remains. Now, this is a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. But in 1577, a series of large bones discovered near Lucerne were interpreted as the bones of an antediluvian giant. And so they were saying that this was 19-foot-tall giant that they found the bones to. And I had said earlier that if this was true, we would have some evidence. However, later on, they found out that these remains belonged to a mammoth. There was also, in 1705, remains found and they were leg bones and teeth, and they were discovered near Albany, New York. I've been to Albany. And so they thought that was also the Nephilim, but it has since been identified as Mastodon remains. So as you can see, we have no evidence at all that these things existed, let alone are hanging out under the Euphrates River, ready to come up and eat your children. So calm down, people. What about pop culture, though? Yeah, they're all over pop culture. There's a gothic rock band, The Fields of the Nephilim. There's a lot of cool songs, too. I found some on, um, like, when I'm posting TikToks and Instagram reels, I, I put on songs, and there's a lot of songs with the name of Nephilim. They were in the X-Files. They were in Supernaturals. There's a video game called Darksiders, which also include the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. I have an episode on that if you want to listen to the Four Horsemen. Devil May Cry, you'll find some Nephilim stuff, Magic the Gathering, all kinds of fun stuff inside the pop culture realm. And now it's time to reveal the magic number. The magic number is 25. So I hope you have an extra special day if you got that right. All right, so there you have it, the Nephilim. And I hope you enjoyed this show. I will be back in two weeks with a new episode, our one-year anniversary, and the 25th episode. So I got to come up with something. I don't know what it's going to be, but if you have ideas, fine, shoot them out to me. I would love to hear them. Also, all my links are in the show notes, so go check them out. And write me a review on whatever podcast app you are listening to, because if you can get that, we got a lot more fun stuff we'd love to get done. I just need more help. And the better the reviews we get, the more the reviews we get, the better it is for the show and for you, because I'm not stopping. And you know what? If you think demons exist, then wouldn't they pro promote my show? Because my show is kind of like... Pro-demon? I guess it's pro-demon. I don't know if it's pro-demon, but it definitely is not pro-religious or whatever. So if there were real demons out there, I would have tons of reviews, I think. Everybody would be jumping there because the demons would want to influence them to get my show out there. So I'm clearly not uh, making the demons happy enough. Ah, whatever. These are the things that keep me awake at night. All right, everyone. Love you all. Peace. And uh, keep coming back. I light a candle in the darkness of hell and reveal that the demons are not such bad guys that they're made out to be. Bye-bye. Be sure to follow me on TikTok at James Ippolitti. 
I'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. The Real Demons of Pop Culture is a Gorilla Delphia production.